Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, and scouting and managing. All of my teams, 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Episode number 195. We finally got a first of preseason matchups in. Dynasty Freaks got to sharpen their opinion on players and their Dynasty values this week after watching all 32 teams play preseason games. Every NFL team approaches the approaches the preseason you know differently, so it's unwise to adjust dynasty value too much in the preseason. But still, there's a few valuable bits of information that we can pull from preseason games to help us shape our opinions on players. And so, after watching the condensed version of all the preseason games through NFL Game Pass, highly recommend it. Watching all those this weekend, uh, here are some of my thoughts from a dynasty perspective on some of the players and some of the teams. Uh, 10 observations from uh, week number one in the preseason. Here we go. Number one, I'll call it doing it my way. Uh, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter had above average performances in their first game with the Falcons, uh, but they kind of did it in their own way. Mariota led a touchdown drive on his first and only possession, completing both of his passes for 36 yards, but then running three times for 23 yards, including a touchdown scramble. Mariota looked, you know, swift-footed and definitely more eager to run after his first or second read making me think that he's going to contribute to fantasy teams a lot this year just with his rushing. Uh, Ritter, you know, on the other hand, he he did run for a lot, team leading 59 yards actually in the game. Uh, he seemed more willing to wait and go through his progressions and targets before tucking the ball to run. Uh, he was at, inaccurate on some throws for sure, completing only 10 of 22 passes, but he also had several players drop balls that were right in their hands, including like a game-ending game third-down pass that a guy just dropped, could have kept the drive going, and then a perfectly placed end zone Pass to the end zone that was dropped. So Mario's day looks better, you know, statistically because he had just the one drive. But I'm pretty convinced if he played as much as Ritter did in that game, I think their lines would be uh, pretty much the same. Their film uh, would be pretty much like that. I'm sure that Mariota, you know, is going to be the season opener. I'm sure I'm pretty sure of that. But Ritter really could close the gap quickly. I'm eager to compare them, you know, next week when maybe Mariota is going to get a little bit more play time, maybe even playing like one quarter more than def- definitely play more than the opening drive. On another note, I'm glad to see that the reports on Drake London's knee were not very severe, so that's good news. Uh, He looked great catching one of Mariota's passes for 24 yards down the middle before leaving the game with an injury in the knee. Uh, I think that he and Kyle Pitts are really going to make both of these guys look much better with uh, Drake going down on the first possession. You got to see these two quarterbacks without their best weapons in Pitts and Drake, so they're going to look better once, once those guys get back in the fold. Second observation, I'll call it you're the one. After not uh, playing starters for all the Hall of Fame game, Coach Peterson uh, let the Jacksonville guys, you know, take a few possessions. Some of that first team take a few possessions. And it was good to see that the coaching changes have already, I think, made the team better. Trevor Lawrence did have a few off-target throws for sure, um, and he also had some drop passes, so it made him kind of end the day just 6 for 12 at 95 yards. But the one, you know, first down red zone that he had, or zone read keeper that he had was nice. Um, He's still not playing with his number one, you know, pick talent as far as uh, as far as Christian Kirk, but there was uh, several guys around him that it was really fun to see what they could do. And the first was uh, Travis Etienne. I'll call him the RB one. He's the one. Uh, Travis Etienne looked really good. And then uh, maybe at least for this game, the RB or wide receiver one rather was Zay Jones. 
ETN didn't have, you know, a great game statistically, but it was just good to see his quickness back after returning to live play for the first time since his season-ending injury about this time last year. The Jacksonville offensive line uh, got beaten pretty bad, beaten off the ball many times, resulting in multiple tackles for loss for ETN. That's why his stat line looks so bad. But even on those plays, he made a few players miss before coming down, so it was nice to see that he had some quickness to get out of some jams, make a five-yard loss into a two-yard loss instead is what happened a lot. But he did have a nice, you know, run of 12 yards, and he also caught kind of a quick out route and ran up the sideline for 10 yards. That was fun to see. James Robertson did not play, <clears throat> so we can't really compare the two side by side, but Etienne really looked back to his normal self, and after the game, he said that he felt great, and he said that he loved playing with his old college teammate, Lawrence, too. Uh, Christian Kirk did not play in this game, um, and so he's, you know, most likely going to be the Jags wide receiver one, but Zay Jones, you know, really has received a lot of buzz this training camp. He was Lawrence's uh, prime target in this game, catching two passes downfield for a total of 47 yards while playing, you know, with the first team on the first three drives of the game. I picked Jones up off the waiver wire in several leagues, you know, since training camp started, and his performance in this game makes me think that they really could be, you know, a player that might be worth starting in the flex position some this season during bye weeks. Uh, Jones signed a three-year contract with the Jaguars. I, I had to go back and look to remember that it was that long, so his contract's three years, which is just one year less than the enormous contract that Christian Kirk signed, so... It's possible, you know, that they see these two guys as their next two, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And as Lawrence improves, they really could be a nice one-two punch for the Jags, particularly as their coaching gets better. Next one I'll call uh, Doubling Down, Doubling Down. It's a pun on Romeo Dubs' name if you didn't get that yet. Uh, Romeo Dubs, which now we've heard that he likes to be called uh, Dobbs, so I guess I'll say Romeo Dobbs, uh, Double Down on his training camp buzz by making the most of his experience there in, in the first first preseason game. He was the most targeted player on the team and scored on a 33-yard pass from Jordan Love as well. The Packers played, you know, their second-team offense to start the game, signaling that Dubs, um, you know, might be a second-string player behind Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, maybe maybe to start the season. But if he keeps perform- performing like this, it's not going to be long until he's in the starting lineup. Um, I'm in a rookie draft right now, and Dubs is uh, by far the player that has had the highest rise in ADP uh, since my rookie dress. Get this. It's kind of hard to explain, but I'm in a, in a 48-team league. There's four, basically four divisions of 12 teams, and there's four copies of each player in, in the rookie draft. In one case, Dubs was drafted at the 1.10, way higher than he's ever gone. The rest of the, the copies of Dubs went 3.1, 3.3, and 3.4. So the manager who you know drafted him at the 110 spot was obviously overzealous, but still, it's not surprising to see Dubs moving up um, moving up the, the boards, uh, you know, pretty pretty incredible he's moved up the boards this far, even in a super flex league like I see you right now. Next uh, player I'll mention and team, as I'll call it, there's Room for Gray. Um, opposite uh, Dobbs, you know, Friday night was another outstanding rookie performance by the 49ers, Danny Gray. He just had two catches on four targets, but one was a 76-yard touchdown where he made a great catch and then kind of a tight rope down the sideline. His second catch was 23 yards downfield, too. So one of the other targets that he had, it was ruled incomplete, but he made a tremendous diving catch uh, on a very bad pass where he almost brought it in with that last toe tap to make it in bounds, but it was a great catch nonetheless. Uh, the 49ers started Trey Lance, you know, but they didn't start their other skill players around him. So it's, you know, without a doubt, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are solidly ahead of Gray in the starting lineup. But there's room for Gray in three receiver sets if he continues to play like this. There's also a little bit more gray in San Francisco, shades of gray, I would say, in the backfield. Elijah Mitchell is the presumed starter, but he didn't play given his hamstring injury 
or may not have played either way, but Trey Sermon and Tyrion Davis-Price played in the game, but neither of them did anything to separate themselves from the other as potential you know, RB2 for the 49ers. I'm still betting on Jeff Wilson, actually, to be the RB2 behind Mitchell, but I'm willing to be proven wrong if one of these guys separates themselves in the preseason, but this game did not help at all on that front. There's still a lot of gray in this backfield, uh, making me more confident that Elijah Mitchell is the uh, by far going to be the better player in this backfield. Next thing I'll say is uh, W's without W's. That's right, W's without W's. The Jets and the Browns got W's in their first preseason game, but the W's on their team looked quite uh, not not didn't do fo- so well. I'm talking about those W's to Sean Watson and Zach Wilson. Both looked pretty terrible in their preseason debuts. Wilson was jittery um, in, in and out of the pocket. He was off target. He threw one, one awful interception before hurting his knee on that scramble. Unfortunately for him, he's going to miss at least two to four weeks, it sounds like. And uh, Mike White or Joe Flacco is going to get the chance to gel with the team in his absence. And uh, might even make his comeback a little bit more difficult. Uh, my bets are on Flacco because the coaches commented earlier in training camp that Flacco should be a starter for another team. Uh, Flacco definitely has lost a step physically at this age, but he's far ahead of Wilson in white uh, mentally. With all the weapons surrounding him, I think that he could actually make this offense go pretty well. Even if he can, um, it's a significant stumbling block to the hope of the breakout year we hope for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Brees Hall. Um, it, Wilson has just not shown that he's ready you know, to help these guys raise their dynasty value and see their stock rise like we know they have the talent to do. If he can't you know, return to play better whenever he comes back from his injury, like, uh, like it's going to be pretty tough to see that he's actually going to be the player that can help rise the value that we love so much right now in Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, and uh, Garrett Wilson. As for Watson, uh, he just looked terrible. His passes were way off target. He seemed confused with the offense. He didn't even lead the team to one first down on the three drives that he played, though there was one you know pass that was dropped that was a big part of not getting a first down. The only bright spot for the Browns in their first game was the big plays by Jerome Ford. He had a 41-yard run and a 14-yard catch. He totaled with his catching and his running 102 total yards and a touchdown. Uh, Ford was a top 10 ranked rookie for me um, before the NFL draft, but I moved him down all the way down to 40th in my rankings after not getting drafted until the fifth round, and then worse, getting drafted to a team that has the best running back tandem in the league with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It just was going to be buried on the depth chart. But man, if Ford keeps playing like this in the preseason, um, you know, Hunt demanded a trade last week. And they, you know, basically he just quickly conceded and returned back to practice and decided not to do one of those hold-ins. I would love it if Ford continues to play this well, if it really made Cleveland think about if they'd be more open to trading Hunt than they thought after all. If they could get something for him, I'd love to see Ford be the backup to Chubb and he would move way back up my rankings. Next uh, thing I'll comment on is I'll call moving on. Uh, the Eagles looked fantastic in their one and only drive with the starters. They marched down the field and scored on a 22-yard pass to, to Dallas Goddard. Hertz looked very sharp, 6-for-6, six six, two passes to Quez Watkins, two to Miles Sanders, one to Jack Stoll, of all people, had never heard of him, and a final one to Goddard that was the touchdown. What I was encouraged by was to see that Miles Sanders, Sanders was involved in the, in the passing game, catching two passes for first downs, uh, even though he didn't get a carry from the backfield. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a wounded but still hopeful believer in Sanders, and I really hope he's finally going to have a breakout year. I'm still holding out hope for that. Um, he's a constant hold for me in Dynasty Leagues. But this game made me willing to move on from two other players. I, you know, love and have had rostered that I've had that I, two players that I've loved and have had rostered in several leagues. 
Uh, Quiz Watkins started the game ahead of Jalen Rager. And I have to assume at this point that he's won the job already. Rager only came in later with the backups, which even you know with his high draft capital makes him a player that I'm finally ready to move on from. Uh, he's not going to make any of, my, any of my rosters once it comes to time to do the final roster cuts in a few weeks. Or I may even drop him for another backup player who I think still might have a chance to earn a starting role. I think for Rager, the writing is on the wall and he's not going to. That's pretty painful to me. Less painful, but I but I am ready to move on from another player on the Eagles. That's Kennedy Brooks. Brooks is one of the undrafted free agents that I added to my teams as a last pick in my rookie drafts and multiple teams that I had. I hope that he had a, had a chance to move up the depth chart, but it's not happening so far, and he's just too fringe of a player to continue to hold onto, uh, even as you know, even on teams you know that I have Sanders on my roster, and I'm still not going to hold on to Brooks anymore. Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, and now Jason Huntley—they all played ahead of him in the lineup. And I was surprised to see Huntley uh, get so much action, you know, in his first preseason game, signaling to me that he's the one that might make the roster instead of Brooks. So I cut Brooks already in, in two of my rosters this week after watching the preseason um, hype around Kenny Gainwell and how he's really going to earn a solid role with Sanders. Just made me think he's not going to move up there. He was kind of the, the dark horse that I hoped that he would be. Um, finally, finally time for me to move on from Jalen Rager. Painful, less painful. I'll move on from Kennedy Brooks now as well. Next comment I'll make is I'll call it, so you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> so you're saying I have a chance. Baker Mayfield got his first and only possession with the Panthers' first team. Um, he fared well at leading the team down the you know, field to a field goal. And then Sam Darnold benefited from a short field after a recovered fumble, and he threw a beautiful touchdown pass um, in his first possession, or I think his second possession. Uh, neither quarterback played you know, their top, with their top pass-catching weapons, but each looked competent as a starter. Smart money obviously still goes to Mayfield. Uh, he was the one that was picked up, the, the guy that they needed. Uh, but the coaching staff still says that they're not ruling Darnold out. And that, you know, that strictly it's a competition right now. I don't know. Coach Rule, if he persists in stating that it's an open competition between Baker and uh, Sam, you know, he's going to have to pick one probably after the next preseason game. I'm sure it's going to be Mayfield since he's the most recent addition to the team. And Coach Rule knows that his job is on the line. But I've not, I'm not really convinced that one is better than the other, really. Um, in their four years in the NFL, they played, you know, both played pretty poorly. Baker had a slight, you know, couple games, you know, at the end of his, his first year that made him look like he was really hopeful. But since then, they both played pretty bad. And this weekend's head-to-head competition didn't really convince me that one is way better than the other. Uh, surely there's one more week of, quote, competition, uh, but we'll know by this time next week. You're saying I got a chance. Baker Mayfield, second chances. Next, I'll, next thing I'll mention, I'll call it fumbling it away. Antonio Gibson, who is already being squeezed for playing time by the commander's rookie running back, Brian Robinson, is making it harder to trust him after he fumbled in the game's second possession. Robinson came in um, on the next series and had a few decent runs himself, including one, and also had one catch, and he scored the team's first touchdown. Uh, Gibson's leash is getting shorter and shorter with each mistake that he makes. Robinson's dynasty value increases at the same time as that's happening. Another thing I noticed watching the, the game was that Wentz, Almost always looked to check down. It was very frustrating. Uh, he threw very few passes downfield, and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson were not involved in the passing game uh, when the first team was in there. Uh, Wentz has received plenty of poor reports from beat writers, and he did nothing in this game to make me think that he can really help this offense, which is pretty frustrating because McLaurin managers figured they finally had the best quarterback of his young career, and then Dotson managers have believed all the hype in the training camp reports. But man, it looked bad. Wentz better improve, and he better learn how to throw the ball downfield to his best targets 
I'm going to be sorely disappointed with all of my Dotson shares as well as my McLaurin shares. And I do have a lot of each for better or for worse right now with Wentz at the helm. Two more comments to make. Uh, one, I'll call long road ahead. And that's talking about the Bears offense. The Bears offense looked awful. Justin Fields should be, you know, a quarterback ready to make a leap this season. But the Bears' lack of weapons and bad offensive line play makes me think that, man, it's going to be much of the same this year for Fields and the Bears. I listened to several podcasts this week about offensive line rankings, and the Bears were consistently on the back end of that list, no matter which offensive line guru was ranking them. Apart from David Montgomery and Cole Clement, the Bears appeared to have their starters on the field, but the first-team offense just couldn't move the ball at all. Their first four possessions uh, with the first team ended in punts and only four first downs. Uh, I feel bad for the Bears fans and dynasty managers that have Bears on their roster. Thankfully, I think I only have one uh, one bear on my roster as well, Darnell Mooney. I think I just have him in one league. So it looks pretty bad for the Bears right now, and that makes it pretty sad for all of those dynasty managers you have of those players. And finally, last comment I'll call, thanks for nothing. Uh, I was hopeful to learn something during this preseason games about the backup position battles in Kansas City and Arizona at the running back position, but the preseason games did not provide any clarity for me. Ronald Jones is reportedly the odd man out, which is hard to believe in Kansas City after Isaiah Pacheco continues to impress and get all the, the camp buzz, but I still find it hard to believe. Then there's Eno Benjamin, who is getting a lot of training camp hype himself in Arizona, yet I still think you know that they signed Daryl Williams to be the backup for James Conner. Uh, he didn't play in the game. Uh, the ground game in Kansas City amounted to pretty much nothing, 43 total yards, total non-quarterback yards on the ground, and the Cardinals did a little bit better combining for 80 non-quarterback rushing yards. But no running back stood out ahead of the others. So it looks like we're going to have to listen to the beat writers one more week, listen to some coach speak, and wait till we see preseason game number two to see if there's any distinction in Kansas City and Arizona as to who is going to be the running back two, both of which are very, pretty valuable in Dynasty. I just want to get some clarity on who it is. But this game, at least in preseason week number one, did not help at all in that regard. All right. Pretty fun week. Hope that you enjoyed that. If you didn't get to watch the games, it's hopefully some of my insight uh, helped you out as you prepare to consider all the dynasty values as they change during these next couple weeks. Pretty exciting stuff. The second preseason week might be the one that actually has the most starters, even though now the third preseason game is essentially the last one. We'll see what teams do, and I'm going to continue to report on what I see after watching uh, all the games week to week. That's a wrap this week for my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so email me anytime. As always, I would be honored if you'd take time to rate and review the podcast and help me. The little independent podcast, that would be great. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.